You're listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. Grab your Bibles this morning and turn, if you would, to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 2. Look at verse 17. Indeed, you are called a Jew. And you rest on the law and make your boast in God and know His will and approve of things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, that is, the Israelites, the Jews, the Hebrews, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. Now look at verse 25, our text verse. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Very quickly, I want to try to go through these points that I've already made, just the main points. Number one, you glory in your heritage. And he talked about the heritage of the Jew. They were called by God. They were communicated the law. They were to care for the law. They were to convey the law. One problem, they didn't keep the law. He said, you didn't even keep the law. And then he goes to the hypocrisy of The Hebrew, by the way, hypocrisy is the sin of all these people, except maybe the outright heathen. And so he shows the hypocrisy of the Hebrews, and we've talked about this. He asked five rhetorical questions. The first one is general. You who teach another, do you not teach yourself? The next three were criminal. He said, you preach, you say, you abhor idols. And the last one was spiritual. You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through the breaking of the law? Of course they did. They broke the law. And that brings us to our next point, our third in these four points I'm giving you on the Hebrews. Number three, the honor of the Hebrew. The honor of the Hebrew. Now, when I say honor, I meant the badge of honor of the Hebrew. And that badge of honor was circumcision. Circumcision. Of course, circumcision is done to the male. It is the cutting of the foreskin of the male. And the Hebrews did this. And it was part of the covenant that God made with Abraham that all the males of Israel would be circumcised. And after Abraham, his servants, his sons, and all them... 
He told them to start circumcising their children on the eighth day. But I want us to read it. You can turn to Genesis if you want to. You can turn to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17 verse 9 says, And God said to Abraham, As for you, this is his covenant with Abraham, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generation. This is my covenant which you shall keep. Between me and you and your descendants after you, every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Verse 12, he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generation, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. Everybody that's going to be an Israelite needs to be circumcised. It became the sign of a Jew, a sign of a Hebrew. It became the very name of the Hebrew. First of all, let's talk about what does circumcision mean? mean. It was a covenant sign. It is a declaration. It is a logo. It is a badge, an indication. It's an icon, a symbol of what the Jew was supposed to be. Yes, it was an outward sign. Yes, it proved that they were of the Hebrews and of the Jews, but it was a symbol. It was a sign. Now, what did it symbolize? Number one, it symbolized confession. It symbolized confession. It symbolized that we accept the covenant, we believe the covenant, we trust in God, we believe His laws are correct, we believe His ways are good, we become His chosen people through being a descendant of Abraham, but through the mark of circumcision. And through the covenant of the circumcision and through the covenant, the whole family were basically Jews because the father was circumcised. Number two, it symbolized cleanliness. Circumcision brings down the possibility of many diseases, cancer being one of them. Penile and cervical cancer is greatly reduced because of this practice. It keeps infections down and it also protects kidneys. But it went far beyond that for the Jew and for God. It was a symbol not of the cleanliness of the flesh. It was supposed to be a symbol of the cleanliness of the heart. We repent of the sin and the filth of the flesh and the breaking of your laws, God. That's what circumcision said. It was a symbol of repentance. It was a symbol of cleanliness. And then lastly, it was symbolized consecration. We're yours. We are yours, O oh God. It was a sign of a commitment that a Jew and a Hebrew was to make. We will obey your commands. And although they continued to say, yes, we are part of the Jewish nation, we are Hebrews and we are gods and we believe in God and we are part, they were not practicing the laws God had set down for them. They had the sign. But they did not have the service. Number two, Israel saw circumcision as a means of grace. Are y'all listening? This is good. They saw it as a means of grace. See, they didn't see that it was the heart circumcision. It was the cutting away of the filth of the heart and sin. 
that was salvation, they were taking the actual circumcision as a sign that they were God's children. Means of grace is saying it is necessary for salvation. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that infant baptism replaced circumcision. They taught that baptism, infant baptism replaced circumcision, thus bringing the child into the church by the covenant sign of baptism, and without it, one could not be saved. They think the means of grace is the good things you do. Well, churches such as Lutherans, Presbyterians, Methodists practice infant baptism as a replacement for circumcision also. In other words, they believe that baptism has replaced circumcision. Uh, Baptism is basically New Testament uh, circumcision. That's what they believe. But they do not believe that that is a means of grace that the infant baptism is a means of grace, but as a covenant sign keeping them safe until faith can be expressed or denied. These groups baptize babies. It's unscriptural, okay? We are Baptists. Is that on the sign? Didn't y'all see it? We believe in believers' baptism. We believe that you get baptized after you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it is, as circumcision was, a symbol and a sign of what should be an inward reality. But it is a logo. It is a sign. It is a symbol. It is an icon. And it is not a means of salvation. I don't know how many Baptists I've asked, Brother Will, through the years. If you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? They say, yeah, I was baptized when I was 10 years old. I didn't ask you when you were baptized. I asked you when you got saved. And a lot of people still to this day, maybe you're here today, you're relating your baptism with salvation. Baptism does not save. Baptism does not save. The New Testament does not teach infant baptism, especially baptism as a means of grace. Not even believer's baptism is a means of grace. You know what a means of grace is? Grace. That's the silliest thing I've heard in my life. Well, it's a means of grace. Nothing can be a means of grace except grace. It is unmerited favor, which means you don't do anything to get it. Jesus did it all. Amen? This is Paul's point. Your sign of circumcision is just biological mutilation if it is not accompanied by faith and repentance. Matter of fact, he even wrote it in Philippians 3 verse 2. Beware of the dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. He's talking about people that would get you Gentiles and make you be circumcised, saying you cannot be part of God's people if you don't do it. We don't do that. We worship God in the Spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. We have no confidence in the flesh. Circumcision number three became meaningless. Circumcision became meaningless. Verse 25, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Matter of fact, it is a point of judgment. 
It's not even saves you, but it becomes a point of judgment. Your sign of circumcision is deceptive because what is symbolized has not happened. And your sign of baptism, you may have crawled in there and got wet and dunked under, but your baptism is deceptive because what it symbolizes has never happened to you. Many people's baptism is not baptism but just hot tubbing because the inside has not been cleansed by faith and repentance. Your commitment has become uncommitment. Your confession has become unconfession and your consecration has become unconsecration. Verse 26 and 27 says, it talks there about Gentiles who keep the law but have not been circumcised and it says that they will judge the Jews. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? So let's take, let's say that some Gentile started keeping the law. He kept the law, kept it perfect. Would not, let me tell you something. It is better to obey than have some symbol cut into you. This is hypothetical. This is a hypothetical argument, verse 26 and 27. Just like the Jews are hypocrites about how good they are, so were the Gentiles. That's his point. There is none that does not sin. So this is hypothetical. He said, what if some man, what if some Gentile kept the law without circumcision? Would not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Because what was not symbolized actually happened to him. He was keeping the law, although he didn't have the symbol. I mean, we want the reality, amen? I remember my mama. My brother wanted a Mustang. He wanted a Mustang. He had to have a Mustang. We like Mustangs in the Lone family because I love a Mustang. And he wanted a Mustang. And so he told my mom, I remember he was a teenager, getting the year, he could drive now. And he wanted a Mustang. And so my mom got him a Mustang. And she wrapped it in a little box. <laughs> you know where I'm going, don't you? She wrapped it in a little box and he opened it and it was a little toy Mustang and she said, there. Now listen, that was actually just kind of a symbol of a Mustang. Do you think that's what Richie meant? No, he didn't want plastic. He didn't want some little uh, little uh, plastic axles and tires and, and nothing under the... He wanted a real one. He wanted something under the hood. He wanted something that ran. He wanted something he could drive. And then in another little box in there, he opened it, and there were the keys to his real Mustang that they had placed out in the backyard. Let me tell you what I did when I got of age. All the way through college, I had to drive Mama's car. That has nothing to do with the message, but it's still deep in my heart. (laughs) No one keeps the law, though. And circumcision is just the sign. It's just the symbol. The proof of salvation is not in some physical sign, but in the heart that has been cleansed, changed, a heart that obeys out of the love that they have for Christ and God. Amen? Verse 29 says circumcision of the heart and in the spirit. That's the kind of circumcision God is looking for. Someone who sees the the, the addition and the filth and the uncleanliness of their heart and say, oh God, cut it away, take it away. Don't let my symbol be just that. Make it a symbol of what 
is in reality. Listen, this is not something new. You think, well, that's what Paul made up. No, listen, Deuteronomy 10, 16. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. He's still crying that to you today and me today. Quit going around telling everybody you're a Christian. Show them you're a Christian by your life. And, and even that can be hypocritical. Let me tell you, you're all here. We're all singing the songs. We're all reading the Bible. But how are you feeling inside? What are the desires of your heart? What's the intentions of your true person? Lastly, the hope of the Hebrew. The hope of the Hebrew, verses 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Oh, I like this little outline, not because it's cute and not maybe thought it up, but just because I think it's good truth. Now listen to me. The Jews gloried in their heritage and in their sign, in the flesh. And Paul says an amazing thing in verse 28, two things. Being physically circumcised does not make you a Jew. Now he's talking to Jews. Being baptized doesn't make you a Christian. Being circumcised has never made a child of Abraham a Jew. And number two, being a physical descendant of Abraham does not make you a true Jew. My friend, salvation is spiritual. It's not what, how you deal with your physical heritage. It's how you deal with your spiritual God. And he will get into that more in chapter 9, 10, 11, so we're going to go on. What is the hope of the Hebrew? I think he tells us in these verses, look, number one, repentance makes a true Jew. Repentance makes a true Jew. Do you hate your sin? Do you hate your sin? Now, some of you have said immediately, it depends on what you call sin. And I realize that. We make up our rules and regulations and stuff like that. And I say back to you, why don't you read your Bible? I'm not your judge. I'm not. I have a friend, he's got it tattooed on his chest. And only God can judge me. You know what I'm going to? I'm going to get me a tattoo. And I'm going to put it across my chest. I wish men were the only ones that could judge me. Because my friend, by saying God can judge you, He will. And He will judge righteous judgment. You know what God says? Thou shalt not lie. You're a liar. Thou shalt not steal and you're a thief in some way. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I guarantee you do it all the time. Honor your father and mother. Need I say more? Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not murder. Every time you hate someone, raise your fist in anger, Adam. You're committing murder. You plot against them. You know what I'm talking about. My friend, you are a lawbreaker, and I am not going to judge you. God's going to judge you. I've just come to warn you that only God can judge. Number one, 
He says that a true Jew is one who circumcises the heart and it is in the spirit, not in the letter. It's in the spirit. It is the affection for the lawmaker, not the affirmation of the law that saves. Did you hear that? Let me say that one more time. It is the affection for the lawmaker, not the affirmation of the law that saves. You've got to deal with your relationship with God. Number two, regeneration makes a true Jew. Regeneration, a change of heart and mind, total new birth. It says in the spirit, in Adam we all died spiritually, but through faith in Christ we are all made alive. Hallelujah. Colossians 2.13, And you being dead in your trespasses and, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. If you come to him with repentance and faith, he will give you new life. Repentance makes a true Jew. Regeneration makes a true Jew. Or by the way, I can say repentance makes a true Christian. Regeneration makes a true Christian. And then resolve marks, marks a true Jew. What am I talking about? He is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. Now listen, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. See, only God can judge me basically what he's saying. I want to know what God thinks about me, not what men think about me. Those who merely have an outward confession and pride in what they have done seek to please men. That's what you're doing. You're living good and you're showing a good front and you're being the hypocrite and and we may not know it, but you know it. And the reason you're doing this is because you don't want, brother, to know that you're really a, a sinner. He already knows it. Amen. We all know it. But you don't want people to know that you love your sin, that you're living in it. You want to hide the fact that you really hate church, but you come because you don't want anybody to know that you're not a true Southerner. But God knows. God knows. Those who have an inward repentance and faith Seek to please God. And maybe today God's going to do something and change your heart instead of worrying about what Brother Ron thinks or what the choir thinks or what Miss Ann thinks. You're going to start worrying about what God thinks. Oh, God, you judge me. Lord God, please restore to me a right heart with you. Help me not to worry so much about what men think, but about what you think. John 5, 44, How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? 2 Corinthians 10, 18 says, For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. I want to tell you, Antioch East may vouch for you, but it is God who knows your heart. He's not looking for the testimony of men. He knows what's in man. We should not be so interested in putting on signs and shows for men, but our desire should be to please the Lord, and He is concerned with a right heart. Matthew 10, 28, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Both soul and body in hell. 
This is the attitude of the person who truly knows and loves God. We rejoice and we come to a Thanksgiving service and we say, thank God he chose me. Thank God he changed me. Thank God he raised me. Thank God he redeemed me. Therefore, I give him the glory. I will give him the thanksgiving. I will give him the credit. I give him the authority in my life. He is Lord of all. I will live to, through, and for him alone. That's the attitude comes from a heart that's been circumcised and a true baptism of a true Christian. In conclusion, salvation is not merited. It's not merited. Salvation comes from you taking a true look at yourself and say, you know, I'm not what I purport to be. I am filthy. I am a sinner. I have sinned and I cannot save myself. And you fly to the cross and you call upon God and you love him because he gave his son to die in your place to give you his righteousness. Salvation is an inward spiritual heart change that can only be produced by God. Its result is a commitment to and humility soaked thanksgiving to God Look at the contrast of an outward show compared to an inward reality in Luke 17, verse 11. Turn over there if you would. Luke 17 and verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lift up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Leprosy was a terrible disease. It ate you, it just ate, eat off limbs. And it was, the, the, it was terrible, just a terrible, it was a death sentence to these people. And these 10 men were dying of this horrid disease and they called Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Notice they had all the right words, didn't they? So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Their leprosy went away. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus said, Go your way, you're saved. This man was not saved because he came back and thanked him. He came back and thanked him because this man was saved. That was the difference. That was the difference. And God gives us so many blessings and we take them and at the end of the day we unloosen our belt and give a little belch and lay back in our chair and go to sleep and we forget to really truly thank God for his blessings. And those of us that understand the truth of what God has done in us are going to truly be thankful. And we are truly going to serve My friend, you may have been baptized in every creek from here to Union County. But not one of them saved you. Until you truly baptize yourself in the blood of Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. You come to Jesus.